You know, I'm not a mom and I don't have kids that will be in the Olympics, but I still get choked up <laughs> watching that. Um, we're talking about, you know, this fight that we're in called life, and today we're talking about the fight for the next generation. And this is something that all the moms here are deeply invested in and, and certainly understand that we need to stand up and fight and do what we can for our kids. But really, it's not just a message for moms. We all need to be fighting for the next generation and, and be a part of that. And um, uh, I, I saw an article recently in, online entitled, 10 Things You Will Regret if you don't have kids. 10 things you'll regret if you don't have kids. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And it was totally sarcastic. It said, you'll regret all the good night's sleep that you'll get if you don't have kids. You'll regret all the extra money you'll have if you don't have kids. You'll regret the fact that you won't get every disease that is going around <laughs> kindergarten if you don't have kids. And you can have stuff in your house that you like and nobody's going to break it, and you will regret that if you don't have kids. And I, I got to the end, and I, I just thought, you know what? This is the message that the world is telling us, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. And the lie is, kids are a drain and a pain and a nuisance, and don't bother with them. Live for you. And you'll be happier in the end. And you know what? Even if God's word uh, was, was contrary to that, even if you didn't believe God's word and what it was saying contrary to that, the truth is that study after study has found, yes, among the most frustrating things in our lives are children, but among the most rewarding and fulfilling things. You ask someone, what is the most rewarding, fulfilling thing you've ever done? And many times it's to have a family. And even beyond that, when we think of our own lives and who has impacted you and who has helped you become most like Jesus, many times it's our parents, but many times it's not your parents. It's someone else in the church. It's someone else who's following God who had a, a mark on your life that changed you forever. And that's what we want to talk about. And it is true. You know, that lie that they're a pain and a drain and it's going to make you miserable. Kids are, you know, all this... There, there is, like any truly dangerous, poisonous lie, there is a kernel of truth in that. I've heard childbearing can be painful. <laughs> that, that is an underestimated way of saying it. And newborns can be exhausting. That is also understated. And, and teenagers can break your heart. And young adult children can be frustrating, right? All these are understatements. It, there, there is a kernel of truth. It is a sacrificial thing to invest in the next generation and, and to do that. But yet, it's what God wants us to do, and it's, and it's the most reward, one of the most rewarding things you can ever do. Um, I was talking to, I was at a staff meeting, the director of children's ministry in our church, Denise Russell, a lot of you know her. She was uh, sharing something that she came across, and I thought this was really insightful. I think we've all heard of these first two levels of activity, right? There's urgent things. That's about how soon something will matter. And, and we've all heard that, you know what, sometimes we need to step away from the urgent and go to what's important because that's how much something matters. But she mentioned in her reading or somewhere she came across that there's a third level and that's significant things and that's how long something matters. Children are beyond urgent. The next generation isn't just important. 
this is among the most significant things that we can do with our lives is to help the next generation to become more like Jesus. And, and this, is, this is what uh, 2 Corinthians says about this battle that we're in. Because it's not a battle. We don't fight for the next generation by learning karate, you know, by going to the gun range or, or things like that. We, we fight by standing up for truth. He says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. And the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. What kind of strongholds? We demolish arguments and every pretension. And I had to look that one up in the dictionary. A pretension is a false claim, a lie, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is how we fight for the next generation. It is on the front lines of truth. And standing up for what's right, and I, I'm going to go off a little bit right now if I haven't already, and I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm about to say next because it comes out of an incredible love, right? I'm going to speak some words of love that the world doesn't want to be spoken right now because when I was growing up even, the world's message to young people and to children was, you know what, you be you. You don't need to be anybody else. You just be who you are. And, and that's, what you, that's the message that was sent over and over again on television and in, in all sorts of different media outlets. But today, that is not the message that is being sent to our children. Today, the message is, no, you, you shouldn't be you. You need to be more like someone that you aren't. And you need to have surgery and mutilate your body and castrate yourself and take dangerous, harmful drugs and because you are not good the way you are. You need to be somebody else. And if you try to be someone else hard enough and all these Disney executives and billionaires and social influencers say, yeah, just be someone else. And so people believe them and they try to be someone else. And at first there's this rush and adrenaline and oh, that felt so good. But then at the end of the road, and there is study after study, and they are being silenced, and they are being censored, but study after study shows that when you try to be who you not aren't, suicide doesn't just double, doesn't just quadruple, it's six, seven times higher. And frustration, and there's thousands of people today that said, I did everything the world told me to do, and now I'm more miserable, and more confused, and more lost. We need to stand up with the truth and say, you know what? God made you and you are beautiful and you are handsome just the way you are. And you don't need surgery. You don't need drugs. You don't need to follow and do what all these other people tell you you should do. Because God loves you. And you have value the way he made you. And he doesn't make junk. So we need to, the, the, the front lines today, the battle today for our children is like, unlike anything I think any of us have ever seen. And the stakes could not be higher for their bodies, for their souls, for their minds. And this is how we fight. We fight with love. We fight with truth. We, we don't go around hitting people. We don't go cutting people up or whatever. You know, we, we love them to the truth. And I was uh, reminded, Matt Pusser uh, helped organize a lot of this uh, message together, and he pointed out this verse to us uh, a while ago, and it really has kind of 
rattled around in my brain. Um, this is from the virtuous woman passage. Proverbs 31 talks about what, what a virtuous, what a wonderful woman is like. And this is near the end. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she can laugh at the days to come. And you know, this is a chapter not just for women. Because everything about the virtuous woman is good for men too. And in fact, when I read this, I think, I want to be her. <laughs> I, I want to be like that. I want to I be clothed with strength and dignity. And more than anything, I want to laugh at the days to come. You say, well, how can you laugh at the days to come? You don't know what's coming exactly. I want to be able to laugh at the days to come, even though I don't know what's coming. I don't know how hard it is, how bad it is, whatever it is. But, but I am prepared for anything that comes down the pike. And it just reminded me if you were walking in the woods and all of a sudden you came upon a black bear, came around a corner, right, and stood up on its hind legs, I think every single one of us would be afraid. If you weren't, you're crazy, okay? You don't want a black bear standing on its hind legs, you know? And that doesn't mean you run away, but, you know, and we all know about black bears, right? You don't run away unless it's a, ba it's a mom with its cubs. Then you slowly back away, Maybe I'm not sure what you do with a mom and its cubs, but if it's a, a big daddy bear like this, man, you, you stand on your tiptoes, you raise your arms, and you yell at it, right, in as low a voice as possible, right? And, but, but that would be scary. Why? Because it took you by surprise and you were unprepared. But now let's imagine you're in your house and you see that black bear, and a lot of you have this experience here in Susquehanna County, you see that black bear coming through the trees toward your house and you have your bear-proof picture window in front of you, <laughs> specially installed. And that bear rears up on its hind legs to reach the bird feeder, which it continues to decimate. And now it's different because you saw it coming, because you're protected, because you're prepared. I mean, this is like a picture-worthy moment. You're like, you get the kids, like, hey, kids, come see this, look. You know, no, don't hit, don't hit on the glass, okay? But, that, you know, and you're taking pictures, and, oh, it's on his hind legs. Won't, won't daddy be upset when his bird feeder's destroyed when he gets home, you know? And, but, but now it's totally different. You laugh. You laugh because you're prepared and protected. And so that's, that's the virtuous woman and in Proverbs 31, and that's what I want to talk to all of you about this morning, about how we can fight for the next generation and be prepared in such a way that whatever happens, we're okay. And so five things I want to encourage you to do. Number one is use the army God has given you. Okay, our, our mission, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not withstand it. One of the things God wants us to do is to march on the gates of hell, not to conquer hell, no, but symbolically and figuratively speaking, we need to march on the gates to get those who are prisoners on the other side and bring them back. That, that's the picture. In fact, some of the in ancient history, walls were built to keep enemies out in modern history Walls are like the gates of hell. They're built to keep people in many times. The Berlin Wall. Other walls that have been erected. The wall between North and South Korea. Many countries that have terrible, terrible situations. They build walls to keep their people in. And, and here's the thing about storming the gates of hell. You're an idiot 
if you storm the gates of hell alone. Right? That is not a good plan. You need to use the army God has given you that will help you raise your children and raise the next generation in the way they should be raised. I am so thankful that at this church, there are teenagers and adults right now teaching my 11-year-old child, Daniel, reinforcing what I want him to know and, what, and, and how to follow and love God. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one doing that. And that even Sunday night, there are young people in their early 20s who are, who are the last one was last Sunday night and we're taking a break for the summer, but during craze and fusion, and they're, again, they're mentoring and they're reinforcing the truth from God's word to, to my kids and to many other kids here. And some of them are young people in their 20s and others are young people like Randy and Tina, who are not in their 20s. I think they're at least in their 30s. So I always pick on Randy, so I got to... Anyway, here, here's, the, here's what God's Word says in Galatians 6.2. This is a great verse to memorize. Carry each other's burdens, and in, in that way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. There are... Trials and difficulties in your life that you cannot handle. And God has put those in your life on purpose. Like, why would he do that? Because they were never meant to be carried alone. And he actually may have put burdens in your life because he wants to give someone else the joy and the opportunity to come alongside of you and help you carry them. But you, you, you will never have anyone carry your burdens if you bury your burdens. In order for someone to carry your burdens, you have to share your burdens. Right? And, and I was talking to a man a, a couple months ago now. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but just anonymously, he was going through some struggles. And uh, we were in the parking lot, leaving the old church, and he said something to the effect of, well, you know what it's like. You go to church and you put a face on. And I said, no, 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 no. I mean, when someone says, hey, uh, good to see you, how are you doing? A lot of people, when they say that, they're really just acknowledging your physical existence in front of them, okay, right? It doesn't really, they really don't, don't want to know how you're doing. They're just saying, hey, you're there. You know, but I told him, I said, you have several friends who really want to know how you're doing and they would pray for you and they would help you and they would help carry your burdens. And, and we just need to just get over ourselves and allow other people to see that we're broken and wounded and, and imperfect and need help because if we don't do that, we'll never get help. And that's not only true of us, but that's true of our kids and the next generation. And you know, this isn't just, I'm just, just talking about children. And I've shared this before as well, but I had a, and she's, she's with the Lord now, Alice Munkel. I remember one time her coming to me and saying, you know, the Bible says us older women need to teach the younger women. And, and how come I don't have younger women coming to me asking me to teach them? I said, well, there's two things going on here, Alice. And I, I said, number one, it's the teacher that seeks out the student. 
You know, we're, we're never going to, you know, we, the mature people, we're the ones who need to go and say, listen, I want to invest in you. And that is a scary thing. I don't know if you realize when you're older, younger people seem a lot more cool. Now, they're not as cool as me, but they just seem like they're cool. And so there's this intimidation sometimes, like, what could I teach them? They wouldn't want to learn from me. They wouldn't, but we need to do that. And then the other thing I told Alice is, you are doing that. She's like, I am. Like, how many widows who are only in their 70s, she was in her 90s, <laughs> how many widows only in their 70s have you come alongside of and basically mentored and said, hey, this is how you navigate this next stage of your life alone. Why don't you come and play dominoes with us? You'll need other good girlfriends to help support you and encourage you. You know, let, you know there's, there's women in this group, they've never been married, and we, we're a family for each other. And I said, so you, you are mentoring the younger women. They just happen to be in their 70s. <laughs> You know, and so God has put all of us in, you know, we have our, our kids ministry, at least half of our volunteers, maybe even more for kids ministry, are teenagers. But you know who kids look up to many times more than their fuddy-duddy parents? Teenagers. Yeah. And, and they say, man, you know, you, I want to be like like him, he's, he's an athlete, and he's, he's cool, and, and just, just carrying each other's burdens and helping each other out in, in this battle called life. Um, use the army God has given you. Here's um, a great verse in Proverbs 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So I belong to you. You belong to me. We, we, we are fam That's how families work. Each member belongs to all the others, and we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. There are things you can do, and you can say that I can't do and I can't say. Or maybe I do say them, and it falls on deaf ears, but if you say them, then the kid will listen, Right? And so use the army God has given you. And then the second thing we need to do is to fight on our knees. Fight on our knees. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We underestimate the power of prayer so many times because if we realized how powerful it was, we would do it more. And, and I know a lot of moms, a lot of dads too, especially with young kids, it is hard to get up early and spend time in prayer before your day begins. Because if you get up earlier, the kids somehow sense it, and they get up earlier, which destroys the whole purpose of you getting up earlier. And then I am aware, some of you have told me that you have children that actually wake up before Jesus. So that's a problem too. So, but sometimes following God is not about doing something different. It's about doing the same thing differently. And so the only thing better than starting your day with God is spending your day with God and just including Him in every aspect and part of your life, in talking to Him and, and taking advantage of maybe those, those little uh, brainless times. You know, you're waiting in line 
at the gas station, at the, you know, uh, grocery store, um, at a stoplight, whatever. You're waiting in line, and, and instead of, I've noticed a lot of people waiting in line. This is what they do, right? They're waiting in line. Well, instead of doing that, maybe you just, like, boy, this is time I can spend talking to God for myself, but for the next generation, for my kids, for my grandkids, for my niece, for my nephew, for, for the kids that I coach, and they're my kids, and I might not be their parent, but they're my kids, and, and, and praying for the next generation. At times like that, maybe driving instead of turning on the radio or whatever, and just, just spending that time with the Lord, or, or doing some brainless activity, you know, like dishes or laundry or mowing the lawn or, you know, chopping wood, whatever you're doing. This is not just for women, this is for men to just spend that time intentionally saying, you know what, I need to fight on my knees. I talked to a man just this last week and don't have time to tell the story. I think I've told it before. But he said, I am the answer to my grandfather's prayer. And this man is now in his 70s. And he says, when I grow up, <laughs> I want to be like my grandpa, Albert Carter, who was born a slave and illiterate and taught himself to read by reading the Bible and prayed his kids, his grandkids, you know, dozens in our family now are saved, I believe, because of his prayers. And he didn't live to see any of it. And, and that's what we, we need to, we need to fight on our knees and use the army God has given us and enlist other people to fight on their knees for you. In fact, that's what we're going to do at the end of the service. Um, I, I'm going to give a different kind of invitation. And certainly, no matter who you are, if you need someone to pray for you, you want to talk to someone about a spiritual issue, you can come forward. But I want to especially encourage the ladies to come forward. Whether you're single and you want prayer for the kids you coach, whether you're married and, and, and you want prayer for, for the kids you have or your grandma and you want prayers for your grandkids. But I want to encourage, we're going to have some people up front here ready to pray for you and more importantly, ready to pray for your kids. And so if you want to do that, I, I want to encourage you to come forward and let somebody else fight on their knees for you and pray together with you before you leave for those that, that you love so much. God is, oh, got to hit that point. Remember, God is fighting for them. And um, this is, these, a lot of us are familiar with these verses from Matthew about Jesus. Jesus is saying, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And he says, and if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. This is how I picture this going down. Jesus is with his disciples. They're stopping the kids. He's like, hey, let them through. Suffer the little children to come unto me. And don't forbid them, for this is the kingdom of God. And you need to have faith like this child. And he's got one on his lap. And he's like, you need to become like a little child. And, you know, when you love this child, it's like you love me. And then he turns and he gets all serious. And he says, and if you hurt one of these kids, I'm going to chain you to a Honda Civic and throw you into the Atlantic gets dark all real fast, you know, like, whoa, okay, and you know what, God loves your kids more than you love your kids, that's good to remember, 
And, and he has, his ways are above our ways, and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts. And so he works in ways that we don't often understand. And sometimes we think he doesn't love them, but he does. Fourth thing of the five that we need to do to fight for our kids, and this is super important, be the adult you want them to grow up to be. Paul says this, and I, I've, I've memorized this because it just floors me. You know, how he could say this, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me um, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Can you say that? To your kids, to your grandkids, to others, can you say, you know what, the amount of time I, I spend on my phone, that's how much time you should spend on your phone. The body image that I have of me, that you should have a body image of you like that. You know, the way I respond to losing, you should respond when you lose that way too. The, the time I spend in God's word and in prayer, just, just, just if you were to do that, you, you would, you, the God of peace would be with you. Um, the way I care about others, if you care about others that way, you'll, you'll be good. What, what is it in your life that you, you say, you know what, I need to change this be, because I, I want to be able to say whatever you've seen in me or heard from me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Recently, I've been teaching my 17-year-old son how to drive. And this has highlighted something I've always known about myself. Some of you, this is a small community, some of you know this about me as well. I am a terrible driver, Okay. <laughs> I'm easily distracted. What are you shaking? Oh, yeah, I almost hit you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's caught on camera, too. It's right outside the, the courthouse. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm distracted easily, and I'm, I'm you know, and so I, so the problem isn't me teaching Ryan how to drive. The problem is when Ryan is driving with me now, because I'll do something, I'll do this kind of not quite stop roll through of a stop sign and then I'll be like, oh, Ryan, don't do that. <laughs> or I'll take a corner a little bit too tight and I'll be saying, oh, Ryan, don't. And I found myself, like even when Ryan's not in the car, I'll be like, oh, I'm glad Ryan wasn't in the car. <laughs> Here's the thing. I have all these bad habits that I've somehow accumulated over decades of driving and they really haven't bothered me enough to change until now. Because now I realize not only should I not drive this way, but I don't, want, I don't want him driving this way. And for his sake, I'm trying to reprogram my mind and it's still not there. So if I'm driving, just be very careful. <laughs> um, but, you know, this, this is what we need to do in every area of our life. And to say, you know, maybe, maybe my prayer and Bible reading habits aren't what they should be. And I don't care that about me what do you want to pass on? You know, and, and, and maybe, you know, I, I just, body image or all these other things, time on your phone, wasting time, not caring about people. Maybe you're okay with you, but, but are you okay with passing that on? Because more is caught than taught. And I know Ryan is paying attention to how fast I'm going. He tells me. Some, not really much, but occasionally. Becky tells me more. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Enough about me. Last thing. 
to fight for our, the next generation, we need to never give up on doing the right thing. Never quit. Never, never. And this is another great verse, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the right time for, or for in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So important not to quit. And quitting isn't, isn't being perfect. It's, it, perseverance isn't being perfect. It's just not quitting. I think there is a time in every parent's life where, where you evaluate what's been going on and you come to this conclusion. It's not working. My kid is not learning. There is no change. I've tried everything and nothing Nothing gets through. And I mean, this is insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And, and, and I, 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 I'm just at the end and, and I just want to quit because it just isn't working. But I'm here to tell you, it is. I've got good news, good news and bad news. I'll give you the good news first. The good news is God changes lives. Bad news is, he's really slow. And he's slow, I think, because he's patient, but also because he's incredibly thorough. And sometimes we, we, we need to learn the lesson really deeply before it sticks, and that takes time. And so in his patience, he just thoroughly is trying to get through to your kid. We're going to close with a video. Tara's going to tell her story. But before we do this, I meant to do this in the beginning. I just want to ask you, are you ready? Do you want to fight for the next generation? So this is usually a monologue, and I don't encourage responses. But I do want to encourage you to respond, okay? So I'm going to ask one last time. Do you want to fight for the next generation? Yes. All right, good. I didn't think I heard any no's. It's awesome. Uh, just listen as... Sharing this story, Tara, Mother's Day story. And it's a Mother's Day story, not because she's a perfect mom, but because she didn't quit. Let's listen as she shares. I grew up in a Catholic household. At 14 years old, I was molested. And 